Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going fantastic. Uh, you know, if I were doing any better, I would be a retired uh, conservative cabinet minister. That's how good it's going. Uh, do you mind if I ask what happened to your nose? Is it a sunburn? Did you get a scrape? Oh, no. You know, it's a CPAP uh, mark. Oh, okay. You have, you know, CPAP you, you get me, me up early to do these things. And yeah. Right. I, I remember you talking about it in an earlier episode about your wife, uh, the argument you had about how there's no way you have it. And then turns yeah, out you yeah. turns out she was right. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I go to bed with this Matt Darth Vader mask right. on my face and apparently it keeps me alive. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm getting old or something. Like how did, it right. happen? How did this happen? I, and I feel like it's fat guys that get, get sleep apnea. So it, was, I, I'm not certain, but I have the impression it's overweight people generally, yeah. but maybe that's snoring more. So, although I did know some young people like in high school, even who had sleep apnea and used these machines and stuff. So I don't yeah, know. Well, I don't say it's age. Maybe it's, maybe it's weight though. Well, yeah. Snoring is a risk factor for uh, sleep apnea. You know, yeah. it's uh, because that's essentially, it's your tongue kind of blocking your airways is what snoring is. Right. So yeah. eventually you get so relaxed that it just occludes it and then you kind of wake up and, you know, start yeah. the whole cycle again and CPAP prevents that from happening. But you know, it, it's where my snoring started getting bad uh, as I started packing on more muscle over the yeah. last couple of years. So, or, so I think it's just that, um, you know, my muscle is probably impinging on my <laughs> airways or something like that. I'm right. getting a thicker neck and you're yeah, too, heavier chest and all thick. these things. Yeah. I'm just too damn buff for my own body, but uh, right. that's, that's right. how I'm choosing to frame it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So we want to continue our, or I guess dive into our series on morality and the virtues. And so in objectivism's view, there's actually one major virtue and six derivative virtues. And so the virtue to start with is rationality, right? That is the most important thing uh, right. in a human life. And the way they frame it, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but you know, I do actually, I do actually personally believe these to be true. So I can speak to it from my own experience as well. Um, so Objectivism holds that reason is the ultimate is an, is one of the cardinal values, and it's reason as your means of survival is your means of survival as a human. Right? Humans change their environment to fit themselves. They don't adapt to their environment like all the other animals. And so, really, any any value we have, we have to create by a you know someone had to think about and create that value. Right. So it's so reason is how humans thrive and survive. And rationality is saying, I accept reason as an absolute, as my only means of survival. So rationality is being committed to using your mind. Hmm. And so it really basically says that that is the if there was a, a um, you know, a thou shalt in objectivism, it would be thou shalt think that you have to trust your reason and your rationality and try and live the best life possible. And then there's many, you know, guiding rules as guiding principles as to what is the best life. But fundamentally, you have to trust your mind and you have to right. use rationality to achieve what you, again, rationally think is good. 
and and right. so you cannot accept you cannot sub subvert your own thinking to either your own emotions to an authority figure uh to objectivism right you have right. to live by your own um sense of reason and rationality is saying i'm going to actively do that i'm going to that's going to be an active process so again the virtues are not just either you have them or you don't you virtue is a goal like i want to be rational i want to be virtuous so i'm going to work to be virtuous as a means right. to an end and how would we know whether we are being rational or whether we're rationalizing right, right. and so let me give you an example i was watching uh the the um the finale of the bachelor last night with my daughter and this yeah. bachelor has got two women uh left right and he's trying to choose between the two of them and you know this one woman was just upset that he was had intimate relations uh in the fantasy suite with the other women and she just couldn't get it like to her, she was a christian girl and and right. to her like that sanctity of whatever was important yeah. and she just couldn't get past this now it seemed like the bachelor was all in on for this woman that he was in love with her that she was going to be the one he chose but she broke up with them dropped out and so he was left with this other one and you could see him over the next couple of days go through this rationalizing in his head of yeah this is the one i'm really in love with this is right. like who i was meant to be with and like he he was coming up with all these justifications as to suddenly she's the one that that he would have chosen uh and and it it seemed like and it seems like we do that a lot in our own lives like we do these ex post facto justifications for why we did something or why something happened you know we (laughs) we might say things like things happened for a reason um and that sort of thing so how how do we know we're not just making excuses yeah. Versus thinking clearly. What What is a standard of thinking clearly on these things? Yeah. So I think definitely more than any, even though the other virtues are kind of derivatives of rationality, they're going to be easier to kind of talk about how to implement this because the true full sense of how to implement rationality is the entire field of epistemology, right? Like how to think, how does the human mind work? But really it kind of, I, can, I guess I'll list off the other uh virtues as well now before we dive into this question because you know um it's about being independent putting again using your so independence is one and it's about using your thoughts and your mind and not subjugating it to someone else's honesty is another one so it's about being honest and so the way rationality is formulated sometimes it's in the kind of judicial sense the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and so rationality is the truth and the whole truth so you don't kind of let things slide away or, and it's a choice if you rationalize, if you don't face the truth, if uh, you want to, um, you know, make yourself feel better by not facing the facts. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, right. So I'll, I'll keep out listing the other four uh, derivative. Yeah, and, and actually that, that's a good point because, you know, here, so you know, going back to the bachelor here again. So he chose mm-hmm. this one girl um, and, you know, got down on one knee and then she actually broke off the engagement about a month later because he, she, he wasn't giving her all right. the love. And, and she, she pointed out that um, um, he, 
yeah, that, that he wasn't being, he was lying to himself. Right. Uh, and yeah. Right. And so that's what happens. And, and it's, it just gets harder to kind of maintain right. the farce. And you could also imagine where she maintains a similar farce. So she's more honest and rational than he is, right? Because she can face the facts, right? But I'll, I'll, right. I'll bring it back to rationality, but I'll just list out the other four quickly. Um, integrity, right? So it's actually staying true to the principles you hold. Then there's right. um, uh, justice. So being being just to other people. And then there's productiveness and pride. I just wanted to list those out. But bringing okay. it back to rationality and how this applies, yeah, like if someone chooses to be irrational, there's nothing that can really be done. It's about, well, no, what it's about, they have to really think, and that's why it's a virtue, that this is what will lead me to the best ultimate ends, right? I want to have a happy marriage. I rationally know I want to have a happy marriage. So if I, if I you know, if I pretend or whatever that, you know, I'm happy with this right now, that's not going to like just switch. I can't, the way they put it in objectivism is you can't push, put an I wish above an it is. So the, the primary thing of rationality is look at the facts, look at reality. And that's what objective means generally. It's a process of understanding more about reality is, is a process of objective thought. And so there, I mean, there's the whole theory of logic and, you know, how to actually do that and how to actually implement it. But there's only, but it's really about a choice. I'm choosing to look at the facts, try and understand them to the best of my ability and make what I think is the right decision. And a lot of people don't do that. The guy in The Bachelor, he doesn't do that because there's an I wish. Well, I wish I met the woman of my dreams and right. out of this show. I didn't, but I can convince myself I have. But mm -hmm. no matter, your, your mind knows when it's doing that, right? Your mind is a rational mind. And right. so it knows when you're kind of faking it. And so objectivism also sort of says there's only one ultimate, there's only one vice and it's evasion, right? And it's mm. pushing. So there's drift and evasion yeah, and okay. they kind of go hand in hand. Drift is yes. people who just don't think about it generally and they don't want to engage their brain. They'll just be one of the sheep and just do what happens to be going on around them. But evasion is the vice because that is actively pushing things out of your mind. I don't right. want to face this fact right now. I don't want to deal with it. And so yes. rationality is saying, no, I will never do that. I'm committed to always facing the facts, always mm -hmm. facing the truth and the whole truth and dealing with what come, whatever happens. And then this again, you know, brings in kind of the Jordan Peterson esque, whatever is true is the best possible outcome. Right. right. And, and it's not that, oh, well, maybe if I would have, you know, pretended this marriage was good for a decade, I would have fallen in love or something. It's like, no, you have you and you can never predict what if you do follow the truth, what is possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, a few things have come to mind here when we're talking about, you know, what we're talking about here with evasion, I think, is a lot to do with lying to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, doing what The Bachelor did there and coming up with uh, justifications. And, and you know, I, I see this happening in the political realm quite a bit. Like the best politicians 
start to believe their own lies and almost become operate from that, those faulty assumptions as like a standard thing. The other thing that comes to mind is I was thinking about, um, childhood trauma, right. And, and evasion and, in like Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, schizophrenia. I, I saw one research talking about schizophrenia and split personality as a protective mechanism. Children come up with, um, to severe trauma, childhood trauma, right? They're getting abused and they, they compartmentalize that abuse with one personality and and then they maintain their own personality, right? So this one personality is kind of living in a lie or in a delusion. It's a way Mm. of, and so therapy has a lot to do with them reintegrating those parts of themselves and facing the truth of their childhood kind of thing. And then the other thing was uh, what, what you're talking about reminded me of a Solzhenitsyn quote, that uh, violence can only be concealed by a lie and the lie can only be maintained by violence. Any man who has once proclaimed violence as his method is inevitably forced to take the lie as his principle. And Mm. so, you know, these lying to yourself, in other words, to me can have severe consequences. Right. And, um, and this is where, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about how the worst evil the, to themselves, the, the worst evildoers thought they had good intentions, right? Right, that they were they were some greater good that they were enacting, and it was the lie that concealed their violence, the lie they told themselves that allowed that violence to happen. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I'll, I'll want to I want to kind of make one distinction, but first I'll say with the trauma and the childhood, like that kind of stuff, there is a different thing at play as well when there's psychological mechanisms, right? So there's a difference right. between repression and suppression right? One is kind of like your mind's automatic. Uh, This is kind of in layman's terms, like I don't fully understand it. But my understanding is one is kind of automatic, your brain is protecting you. And one is I'm choosing to suppress this. um, Because I don't want to face it. Right. But but here, but here's, here's an similar mechanisms, but I don't want to get into psychology of schizophrenics and that kind of thing. No, no. But I, I think to a lesser extent, we all have these lies yeah. have have these lies and narratives about our parents for example like as as a child yeah we are completely dependent on our, our parents for survival right mm-hmm. and so we have to view them we have to appease them we have to uh, uh, we have to think of them as the most virtuous people ever right and that can that and, and so we build up these kind of almost lies around them mm-hmm. um and and then i think when we have problems and you know, we talked, I think in the last episode about how do we actually put things into practice, right? It's one thing to know these virtues. And I think to me, what's popping up for me is that probably a lot of that has to do with lies that are still in our heads about, about ourselves, about our parents, about our relationships, uh, about our relationship to ourselves from childhood that we haven't necessarily uncovered yet. Right. A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, I've had some pretty intense mental health struggles and a lot of it is the kind of tipping point is when you get to a point where you can't sustain the lie anymore and it breaks. And then your whole life's in question because you have to get back to a point where you didn't lie to yourself. But I do, it's important to kind of draw a distinction because in, in objectivism, rationality and honesty are two different, like honesty is a derivative of rationality. So rationality isn't about not lying to yourself. That's what honesty is. But rationality is about facing the truth. And Mm -hmm. so we can get dive more into honesty, particularly, 
but it's important. To, so it's like rationality is the truth, the whole truth. And then honesty is nothing but the truth. And so a lot of what people do is engage in pretense and come up with lies because then they get to pretend they're being rational. If they right. lie to themselves, they can say, oh, no, I am facing the facts. Whereas when you're just being irrational, you know you're not facing the facts. So it is a little different. And so or just another, to kind of- another, another example that pops to mind is something simple like you go out vehicle shopping, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have a budget, but then it's like, oh, that vehicle's really nice over mm-hmm. there. I, you know, it's outside our budget, but you know, and then you start saying, well, we're going to, you know, this is vehicles going to last longer. Uh, right. you know, like well, we, you, you start coming up with all these reasons why you need that vehicle rather than just go with what's in your budget and what, right. And, and so again, that in my, that's starting to become dishonest with yourself. Right. Whereas right. I would put it actually, some people don't even engage in that pretense and that's when it's, I mean, it's still wrong to engage in it, but that's when it's irrational. And so it's just putting your emotions above what you know to be good. So I just like this car and you're not even engaging your thought. Oh no, it doesn't matter that I can't afford it. I like it. I'm getting this car. Right. And I mean, now I'm speaking from experience. And so I think the way to think about rationality rather than kind of contrasting it with rationalizations and lying with yourself, it's thinking if there are people, you know, who don't even try and do that, who just go based on their emotions. And if you question them, it's like, no, 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 but this is how I feel. It doesn't matter that you can't argue with them and they don't even have lies. It's just, no, this is what I want. This is how I feel. Who are you to tell me otherwise? And so they don't even try and engage their mind. And so what would you say to someone that, that says, well, emotions have gotten me this far in life. I seem to be doing all right. And, you know, we can weigh the pros and cons all day and try to think clearly about this, but, uh, you know, my gut just gets me act, here or whatever. But, yeah my gut has more nerve endings, whatever. Uh, how, how do we respond to that? Like what, how how do we know that rationality is better than just pure instinct and emotion or something? Well, so one, there is no instinct in humans, right? Like you can override anything. You can jump in a fire. You can do, you can, there's, there's like, there's an argument that there's right. no such thing as instinct in humans because we have to think about and make choices for everything we do. We don't just automatically do things in the same way animals do. But there is a big discussion about, you know, do emotions give you knowledge, right? And basically objectivism's view is that emotions are kind of automatic printouts from your subconscious. So yeah. they, they give you information, but only information about how you feel about something, not about that right. thing itself, because something right. can happen to the two of us and we can have completely different emotions about it. That doesn't mean that doesn't actually give us information about what it is. It just gives us information about how we feel about what it is. And, you know, this brings it back to nonviolent communication and like and, and lots of things generally like I can't control your reaction. I can only control what I'm doing. Um, and so I can't right now kind of explain to everyone why emotions aren't tools of knowledge and don't give you information. Right. But in terms of kind of instinct and gut feeling, your subconscious is very powerful, right? Your subconscious can make assessments and can give you a gut, you know, oh, I, I just know it, right? But you have no idea how your subconscious was programmed or most people don't. So it does give you lightning quick outputs in emotions and gut feelings and instincts, 
quotes, uh, quote unquote, right. right? But unless you've actually assessed it, you don't know what is at play there. Because like you said, how do I know what my parents put in there when I was five years old, right? A lot of people have biases, a lot of people like, sure. so it's emotions are very important. And it's not objectivism doesn't say you should not like you should suppress your emotions, you shouldn't deal with them, which a lot of people kind of do generally and like go to the other extreme. They're very important, but you have to take them as knowledge of your assessment of a situation, not as a primary assessment of the situation itself. I don't know if yeah, that no, answers the question. No, that, that, that does. I, you know, I wanted it more for our audience perspective or, you know, another way to look at it is, um, you know, like, cathedrals weren't built on emotion right i mean emotion may have inspired the construction of it but you have to plan things out you have to check facts Mm. you have to do make measurements you have to apply rationally and and i think that a lot of our emotional wiring is left over from you know it's it's an evolutionary vestige right and like fear for example and stress it narrows our vision causes us to act impulsively in the moment uh, without thinking. And that's important when there's a tiger maybe lurking in the grass, right. you see the grass move. It, it serves, it's a survival mechanism to assume that's a tiger and just run or mm-hmm. fight or flight kind of thing. Right. But what in today's modern world, um, that doesn't serve us very well. If we're constantly in that stress mode, it's, it's right. not a cognitively, uh, it's, it's not a cognitively efficient or optimal space to be in if you want to make good decisions going forward. And even with, you know, fighting fires is a complex task and managing fear and anxiety is a big part of being able to do your job effectively. If you're constantly jumping around and like leaping through windows and like trying to escape or like, you know, you're not going to get very far fighting fire. So we have to be able to manage that fear, think rationally about it, have a process in place for Mm -hmm. doing this. And that actually helps us, deal with the fear as well and, and do things in a systematic way and training and, and just employing that rational part of our brain over and over practice helps us deal with that, the real life situation, I guess. Right. And, and so I think, again, emotions are extremely important and, and valuable to a human life, but it's, they help you assess your assessment of something and they can be changed. You can retrain your emotions the same way. Yeah. I don't want to jump at every tiger run away from fires like would maybe be my reaction you can't have that reaction so you can reprogram your subconscious right. and your emotions change accordingly and so the whole idea is to and very few people have this but to actually rationally align your emotions with your and your subconscious with your conscious mind so you are integrated so you are you know and that so you you don't have contradictions between your conscious and your subconscious convictions and these sorts of things, right? right? But I had one last, oh, so the you brought up kind of, you know, emotions didn't build cathedrals and that sort of thing. And I think that highlights kind of a very interesting, important point about morality generally and rationality in particular is most people now after the industrial revolution in the, you know, modern age agree that rationality is what works in the quote material world. Right. When we when yeah, you can't build a house based on emotions. You can't, you know, get to the moon based on emotions. But there's still this kind of hangover from prior times that rationality doesn't have a role to play in morality. 
right? That it doesn't have a role to play in these spiritual values and in your emotional life and these sorts of things. And that in itself is a specific philosophical viewpoint. But I would ask people as to why they actually think that. Why do they think that the mind, that, you know, rationality is so powerful for so many things, except not the most important thing. What do I want to do with my life? What is good? And these sorts of things. And so it's really important to notice that about morality generally. And I mean, that's the fundamental argument objectivism is making that we can rationally develop these principles and that there are, you know, there is logical proof as to why these are good for human life and human flourishing, but in particular for rationality as applied to your life, you know, you know, it's when you want to cook, you know, you have to think about, okay, what am I going to cook? You know, for for all of these different things, are you frozen again? Where did I cut off? Uh, you were talking about. I was talking about like the rationality applying to building things and that sort of stuff, but yeah. not. And so I, I was about somewhere around like, you know, when you're cooking, even, you know, you have to think about how you have to cook. But then right. there's some some, you know, non-material gap in most people's minds that, well, no, my feelings can work or it's revelation. And there's many reasons why people think that way that they don't have to think, but it's, if they, I'm arguing if they really do sit and contemplate it and, and introspect, they'll see, no, these are all, I do have to think, I do have to make these decisions as well about. And so with respect to self-esteem and kind of why thought is so important, this, what, um, what objectivism and Ayn Rand says is that humans are beings of self-made soul. I choose who I want to be. Right. And I mean, there's some really powerful Harry Potter quotes as well, right? It's (laughs) your decisions that make you right. And so they they really emphasize you're a being of self-made soul. The same way I have to decide what kind of house I want, you know, what kind of life I want. I have to decide what kind of person I want to be. Right. And I can choose that. And it's sometimes quite difficult Um, But I have as much power over the person I want to be than than I have as over anything else as well. And one, it's not an Ayn Rand quote, but one quote that really stands out to me to highlight this. It's like, they say that the definition of hell is on your deathbed. You meet the person you are meets the person you could have been. Right. And so it's really Mm. about taking ownership of who do I want to be? Why do I want to be that person? And how do I become that person? And most people just take their personality as a given fact. Well, this is just how I am. I am how I am and I can't change. That's not true. And and you need to engage your mind to create who you want to be the same way you need to engage your mind to create the home you want, the family you want, and these sorts of things. And that's why rationality is the virtue because it's what allows you to look at things, make decisions, and implement those decisions, both for everything, including who you are as a person. Right. Yeah, I know that. 
that I, I like that, that, uh, you know, hell is meeting the person you could have been on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a scary thought. Well, and you know, really that's kind of what has motivated me for the past five or six years. You know, I, I probably told the story before about how I thought I was going to die in this basement fire in a hoarder's house and, uh, you know, confronted with the hell of all the things. Yeah. I met the guy that I could have been right Right. there in that basement fire. And that scared the crap out of me. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess there's an example of an emotion driving me towards a more rational life, one where I'm integrating, um, myself more, right. With purpose. And, and that was the big thing for me, integrating my life with purpose, being true to who I am, uh, who I, who the life I choose to, to make for myself. Yeah, rather and I, than just kind of follow a, an unconscious path. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think so many people now, like there are many reasons we can diagnose to the culture as to why so many people just kind of put their heads down. And we've talked about those systems in place and stuff. But I think that again highlights how emotions are so important. And someone I know right. talks about how the you know mental health crisis is actually a good thing because it's the same way your body tells you when you're sick, your mind does too. And depression right. comes from, I'm not the person I want to be, right? Right. And, and my yeah. mind is fighting itself, right? And I'm yeah. doing and, these and things. That's a good, and that's a good point about, about, it, right? about, um, uh, that's a good point about emotion, right? Is that, um, you know, to me, emotion has become uh, something to be aware of that it's time to introspect. It's time to apply right. rationality to where this is coming from, right? And, uh, you know, I remember, I think my wife uh, in our early days had, a dream that I cheated on her and woke up mad at me. Right. And was mm. kind of giving me grief. And, uh, you know, the, the proper thing would have been, okay, why did I have that dream? Why am I angry right now or, or panicking right now? And mm. it's because maybe I feel insecure in the relationship and why do I feel insecure in the relationship? Right. What, what are the things that are going on? Of course, um, you know, if, if, if you just say, well, you did something wrong. You have to change based on my gut feeling, right? Cause you cheated right. on me in my dream. Now your happiness, your contentment is contingent on me following some dictates that you're going to give me right now. Right. Whereas yeah. the, the correct way would be look in a mirror. Okay. Why am I insecure about this? How can I have my needs met? Uh, how do I correct the story in my head? What are the evidence? Maybe there's some evidence that, that Tim is doing something that are, warning signs are popping up and I have to address those. Right. But, and uh, yeah, acting this, out of that emotion outwardly mm-hmm. is the wrong thing, but right. going inward, I think is where we find the, the most value. And it's the same in, you know, relationships where we're getting in a fight and I'm getting angry or frustrated. And I, that's not a moment for me to like go fixate on, my wife and say, okay, you're making me mad. It's like, okay, right. I've got anger now. Where's that coming from? What's the story in my head? Where is this coming from? It's a, it's a period where I now introspect and go, okay, what's going on here? I'm responsible for my emotions. Right. These are all on me, not on her. So what is it? What's the story in my head about what she said that is driving this? And that's where a lot of the growth comes in. So to me, yeah. the, the relationship between rationality and emotions is we don't act out of emotions. We, we, investigate our emotions that right 100 percent, and that's kind of where it comes into nonviolent communication compassion generally it's like no i'm feeling a certain way i have to understand why and it's not like i can communicate with you through my emotions if i'm just freaking out telling you how i feel 
you have no knowledge about how you can help me at all yeah. or how we can change our dynamic, our relationship. It has to be communicated. It has to be rational so you can understand it. I can't, I can't just transport, translate my emotions to you directly. And so I think that really highlights, I mean, in relationships, why it's important, but it's the same in your own relationship, right? Like the conversations I have in my head or whatever about why am I feeling a certain way and really understanding it for my own benefit and for then the benefits of everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But so what, what are our takeaways then from rationality? What, how, how can we each improve our lives right now by applying rationality uh, a bit more to our life? Um, that's a good question. You first. <laughs> Me first. Yeah, it's it's quite difficult because I mean, I think I need to apply it more calmly. I kind of, I've always kind of, I have from a young age, I think, automatized my rationality. Like it is my kind of go-to, but I think I still haven't been able to separate it from the trigger, the emotional triggers of it. So it's like I I feel fear, so I act rationally, but it's like I'm not certain it's rational, let's say, right? It's that same right. pathway, but I'm not kind of measuredly thinking about it, weighing it. It's just what does my brain compute? So it's almost like that instinctual reaction, which I associate with rationality, but it's it sometimes still gets triggered by fear, by anxiety. So I need to kind of not... I need to kind of decouple those a little bit more still and be more measured in my thinking and in my reactions, even when I think I'm engaging my mind. Interesting. So you think you act a little bit too hastily maybe and like that used to be definitely a problem and I've never actually even thought of it in this manner before that I still think I do it sometimes. Hmm. So it's because like my rationality was my defense mechanism, right? I'd get triggered and then I'd say, no, well, this is rash. Like, and so I, and so it was kind of, uh, you know, that take on it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think for me, a big part of this is, um, when, you know, how do I know I'm acting rationally and how do I know if I'm lying to myself about something, um, and, and just kind of evading or engaging in wish thinking or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, these, I, I think you're right. I think, um, I think here's what I'm taking away from this a little bit is, you know, cause a, a lot, some theme here had to do with not just living an unconscious life, just kind of mm-hmm. reacting to things around us, but really taking charge and using, using the engine of rationality to It was right at the the great part that yeah. I cut out. Yeah, it was me kind of grasping straws. Um, <laughs> no, because no, you think- were saying, I do think it's important, like a key aspect of committing to rationality is not drifting and is not evading. And so you're saying that 
something about that yeah. aspect. Yeah, using it to actually drive myself forward. And I think, you know, part of where I'm at right now is I'm just kind of employing rationality in in the present moment to deal with things that pop up. But there's also kind of um, the, the direction of my life and, um, you know, the work I do, I should probably apply some rationality in a kind of a meta way of thinking, okay, all these things I'm doing and reacting to in the moment rationally, is that the suite of things I want to be reacting to rationally, or should I change that whole suite of things to something else? And so I think what I need to do is um, think rationally about uh, the direction I want to take mm-hmm. right now, right? This has been an area of cognitive dissonance for me for probably the past year or two of just, okay, what's the right direction for me to take right now. And so what I probably need to do is just commit to thinking rationally about it, like chunk off a block of time and, and make some lists and um, chart, chart out where I'm at, what my life purpose is, how everything I'm doing relates to that, what I could be doing that would enhance that even more and, and just kind of sit in the driver's seat uh, a little bit more. So that's kind of what I'm taking away. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense. And I think like really hits on the point of purpose is such an important value. And I'm like, it's very important. I'm one who emphasizes, yeah, live in the moment and, you know, apply it in the moment. But if you've never, if you never or don't regularly check in on, you know, what is, where am I aiming at? Then, you know, as, as optimal as you engage in the moment, you don't actually know where you're going necessarily, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the point is I could choose a different suite of moments to have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have to. And, you know, once I've charted the course, yeah, then I, um, I, I need to live in the present. But, uh, but what if I'm, you know, I'm just kind of meandering right now, letting outside forces kind of sway me one thing or another and i really or, to... yeah outside forces control what situations you're in even though you're you're engaging with all of those situations properly yes yeah exactly yeah cool so yeah thanks that makes sense and i hope anyone listening or watching will let us know what they learned from this and you know how they plan to engage more rationally with their lives and next week we'll get into or next episode we'll get into some of the what they're called derivative virtues in objectivism. So there's six. So check those out as well.